Welcome to the Break Plateau Show, where the life experience of others helps you break plateaus in your health, wealth, and relationships. Here's your host, Ty. All right, all right. Welcome back to the Break Plateaus Show. And today we've got Simon Hawk on with us over in Puerto Rico. So welcome to the show, brother. Hey, Ty. Thanks for having me. No worries, man. So just to kick things off, um, do you want to give the audience a bit of, you know, context to who you are like, and, and what you sort of do? Because, you know, how we first came across each other was, you know, going through those online programs and that, and one of the ones that didn't, didn't, didn't really follow through. Um, but, yeah, out of that, we, we, we became friends, and, and that's been a, a bit of a blessing out of that, hey, bro? Yeah, that was an interesting experience. I guess the upside of that is that kind of we communicated and, and kept in touch and learned from the experience. And yeah, that was a really interesting experience in um, in kind of communicating with your peers and collaborating Do Yeah, absolutely. And gain, uh, gain a little bit of power. As <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad we stayed in touch and I really appreciate you having me on the show. So my background was um, I grew up in Pennsylvania, kind of like a rural setting. And uh, my background was in, in graphic design and marketing. Um, got pretty bored with Pennsylvania pretty quickly. So I moved to New York City. I worked in the fashion industry and did some more um, work in iPhone development, app development, kind of like UX and the branding and design side. That kind of got me interested in doing a little bit more. And so I moved to California and lived in San Francisco. Um, after doing a couple startups in robotics and advertising, solar, um, kind of shifted the way that I wanted to live my life mm-hmm. and ended up deciding to move to Puerto Rico. You got me? Yeah, the Puerto Rican Wi-Fi is um, is one of the things that is to be desired i think over time it'll improve <laughs> <laughs> for sure oh well with with all the technology skills that you've got there maybe maybe you can um yeah partner up with the government or something like that and put together some sort of scheme <laughs> uh or maybe just wait for starlink i think starlink is yeah. actually a pretty viable option for our area it's perfectly suited for areas where you're not really going to get a lot of wires and lines yeah. So definitely looking forward to that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so where we got up to there was before it kind of froze a little bit there, bro. Um, was yeah, you you're in Puerto Rico, you've moved there. So that how recent is it that you moved to Puerto Rico and um and what have you been doing since living there? Sure, I actually moved here seven years ago. Um so my the early part of part of my career was, was spent, like my 20s were spent in New York and California. And then my 30s have been in Puerto Rico. Um, so I'm 36 now. And most of what we do is proper consulting. So we do a lot of business management, project management, um, still do some help with startups. Ironically enough, the startup industry wound up coming to Puerto Rico. So a lot of um, tech companies moved their their headquarters to Puerto Rico due to the um, tax incentives here on the island. Um, so in a weird turn of events, Silicon Valley ended up 
moving to Puerto Rico. So now I have a lot of clients in crypto and we've got few people developing apps, um, a lot of services being um, built on the blockchain and just using internet services that weren't done before in Puerto Rico. Um, so now all of a sudden there's a lot of work here, um, which is really interesting. So I continue to do some branding. Um, most of it's more along the side of artistic direction and advising. So take on roles in companies and helping them develop their brand and marketing campaigns and basically develop out their companies as a, as they go from as a startup and into more of a corporation or a commercial setting. Yeah, wow. So there's a, there's a fair bit of work involved in that, I'm sure. So just um, do you want to run us through like what was like the, the, the main driving factor for you to actually move to Puerto Rico? Because it's a, like I, I have that in common with you. I love the island life. Like I lived in Bali, but we were actually planning to move back to Bali before this flu started going around um and then yeah so we're, we're kind of stuck in in our island our big island in australia at the moment for a while but yeah give, give us a bit of a rundown what the driving factor was for you guys to move over to porto sure so i guess being in san francisco and then having lived in new york i really fully embraced the, the city lifestyle you know just Balls to the walls all the time, nonstop grinding, you know, back to back work and and just a lot of running around. There's a decent amount of partying um, in the city. There's always a, something to do. There's always, you know, people getting into trouble. There's always events. There's, there's an unending supply of, of things to do. Um, so for me, being in city is um, it's almost like distracting in a way. Um, to just have so much going on around, um, even from like a sensory um, point of view. Um, and then I guess for my my health and my routine, um, I think I like a little bit more nature. Um, so for me, it was very much a shift of going towards somewhere that I was, I felt happier and I, I could feel healthier. Um, I like to do a lot of running, like to be outside the majority of the year. Um, so for me, it really made sense to be in a tropical environment. It's summer year round here, you can run every day of the year, never gets cold. Um, so for me, this is just really like an ideal temperature. Like I like it hot and then I'm just surrounded by nature. Um, you know, I'm, I'm able to have animals. Like I don't live in a condo, I live on like a house with an acre and and so for me, this is a really productive thing is I work from home, our office is here, you know, we're consulting. Um, so now I'm able to really choose my lifestyle. You know, I can go walk down to the beach at lunch. I can go four wheeling after, after work. And it's just, for me, it, it feels more complete. I'm not, I'm not in a rat race anymore. I think is the biggest, the biggest thing I've noticed is that I, I can pick and choose when I need uh, motivation or competition. I can always go into the city. There's a city in Puerto Rico and I can go there and get culture. I can meet with other business people, but for the most part, I have my privacy and my time to think and write, which is important for consulting is really reviewing a lot of people's business plans and then giving them advice based on experience. Like you need to focus. So it's mm. nice to not have constant distraction and, yeah, man, I'm hearing you. 
And um, I think that's that's a, that's a really common thing in you know becoming an entrepreneur and starting to do your own things and all that sort of jazz. Like I know myself for one, like when I first you know quit doing FIFO work, so I was doing fly, fly and fly out when I was younger. Um, I did that for quite a few years, and then I ended up quitting that to be a PT. So you know, going out and actually working for myself instead of yeah working for someone else. Um, and then, yeah, that kind of scaled into online, all this sort of jazz. And yeah, when you get into that headspace of, you know, like, oh, I'm doing something for myself, you can get stuck in that rat race that you're talking about and just always grinding and always punching down coffees. And then like to, you know, have a break on the weekend, you party and drink alcohol and it's just kind of ruining your nervous system and you end up as a bit of a wreck. So I feel you with that, um, yeah, big, big circles. I feel it gets into a cycle. Yeah. Yeah. It's so common. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel, I feel... Yeah, it's interesting when you talk to more and more entrepreneurs. That's... I mean, I'm sure you're experiencing that now, doing the shows more and just reaching out to people. It's like, you, you think your problems are so unique and then you meet other people and it's like these cycles and patterns are very familiar to people that launch businesses. And it's like, oh, we're, we're quite commonly... We have such similar habits. You know, it's... It's um, a, a vicious cycle at times, and it's really interesting to meet people that have have surpassed it. And um, I, I'm always trying to talk with people that are a little older than me or have been in my industry for a lot longer. Try to understand what they've done because there's there's always more you can improve. And one thing I love is efficiency. It's not really like doing more work. It's it's making your work more impactful or or more powerful. Um, which often comes with experience and wisdom. It's, it's not something you, you can't just be efficient at something. Like it's a it's a process of refining. So. Yeah, hundred percent, man. And like, how, how many times? You, like, I love that post that you did. Just even just a few hours ago, I looked at it when I was waking up. Um, with you know, like you know, not even trying, and then you know, how many times you fail, and then how many times you actually get success. So like that one resonated with me pretty hard because you know, thinking back to all the projects and all the ideas that I've had, like I've built out full membership areas. It took me like six months. Like it was absolutely amazing what I thought, but, but my, my audience didn't even give a shit about it. <laughs> it was too much for them. So like, like there's multiple projects I've tried with that, but um, entrepreneurship is not always pretty. Hey, like oh, it's, man, if we really counted, no, no. I'm sure if, if most successful people really counted all the little side hustles and ideas, they put a little bit of time in. Like it's the Midas touch theory is is total BS. You know that that you can you can have a win every single time. A lot of ideas are are great ideas were built on um, ideas that weren't so great and that needed retooled or they went through a process and became better and better. So it has been interesting. You know, I think. Uh, anybody in internet marketing has tried multiple different formats um, but as you become more dedicated to one area you start to find what works for you yeah absolutely and and that's something that we'll kind of briefly touching on just before this call is like you know I haven't been on on social media as much lately just because I've been like completely like consumed and in the trenches of, of what I'm trying to do in the, in the marketing space. Um, so like, yeah, it, it, it comes to a point in time every now and then where you're just like completely consumed by something and, and 
you can't do everything at once and and that comes back to that efficiency side of things you know like can you give us a bit of tips on that because that's where I'm at now like I've got a lot of work on but I, I feel like for me at the moment like I need to take some time to delegate more but in my previous experience my delegation process hasn't been so good <laughs> so maybe picking the right the right people to w- work with you need to put a bit of time into that mm-hmm. yeah I, I think something most people forget is kind of like uh, no matter what like when you're going to ask somebody to help you like uh, a scope of work document is always included and I know it's really easy to forget to like describe and write down like what you want people to do. It's easy to be like, I just need to hire somebody and then they're just going to start. Um, but one thing that I've found with all my projects and my clients is that if we complete a scope of work document, um, which is really simple, it outlines like what they're going to do, the core responsibilities, deadlines, timelines, deliverables, that kind of thing. And then for basically for every time you're, you're hiring somebody, you think you're going to need somebody you need to like really clearly define what they're going to do because most people that aren't used to managing people are like, they just have a laundry list of stuff to do. And mm-hmm. that's, that's really hard for somebody else to do. Whereas like, if you define like a specific task that needs done, that's repetitive, you know, like, like generating leads and then replying to two messages, it's the same pattern over and over again. So you can write a scope of work document for that and then job that specific thing out and then not be overloading people or expecting them to be doing something that they're not capable of, um, or just, you know, these unrealistic expectations often come from desiring people to do more than they're able. Um, so we, I do highly advise all my clients to use virtual assistants, you know, whether that's, you know, outsourced people in Philippines or, or even locally. Um, but, but, but what I don't suggest doing is treating them like a personal assist, assistant and just throwing tons of stuff at them unless that's what they want to do. Most of the time it's like you need to give them a direct task and allow them to become good at that task, which is not constantly throwing more stuff at them. It's like allowing them to become efficient at the thing that you were inefficient. At. So most people are, are, are not very efficient at things because they have a lot of other things to do. Yeah. Um, so by giving somebody even more things to do, you actually make them as inefficient as you were. Um, so it's better to, to break it up. So there's delegation uh, and then there's priorities. So I always try to figure out um, kind of like a four quadrants of like top priorities that you have to do and nobody else can do. And then there's lower priorities that could be delegated out. So I always start with the core things that I need to do to actually make profit and to move my business forward as far as a structure or as a company. And then underneath that, there's all the things that need to be done on a daily basis just to make the business operate, um, answering emails, setting appointments, following up on invoices, all of these things fall under, these don't make more money. They don't push the business forward. They simply need, need to happen. So those are great things for a virtual assistant or a personal assistant. So delegating out based on priority and then really defining into quadrants what it is that moves your business forward versus what just needs to be done so that you don't fall behind. Uh, And then that list of things can be easily jobbed out. Um, And you write that down in a scope of work document and then hand that off and it makes the process a little more efficient. 
Yeah, solid. That's um, that's something that I literally yeah, have just, you know, made myself put a bit of time aside to do because even, you know, as you said, like giving someone a job and then telling them to do something else without telling them exactly what to do. And this comes to those VAs especially, right? So if you don't give them like their standard operating procedure with a step-by-step, like making it idiot proof, like they're going to do it wrong. You can't just be like, go and book appointments, like for e-commerce brands or something like that. Like they could absolutely burn through so many e-commerce brands and make you look really silly if you don't give them that, that proper structure to follow. Eh? So I guess that, yeah, as you said, it's, it's, and that was one of the issues that we had recently. Like um, we brought on a fair few people that are like pretty much geniuses in their field, but their fulfillment skills, as you said, like they've got a lot, a big laundry list, right? So they weren't as effective at actually getting our work done because I got so many other clients as well. So it's like, okay, cool. What do I, how do I fix this? And what we've come to realize is that we need to hire really fucking good managers that manage the geniuses, not, not just hire straight to the geniuses. So that's kind of where where we've gone to now um and yeah fulfillment and our fulfillment team's starting to look like it's ticking along a little bit better to have someone to really just monitor all the moving pieces smart no i think i realized that really early on because i had to work with creative um so like in fashion and in advertising and in marketing there's always these brilliant minds and and really talented creatives that that just need management you know their job is more to be brilliant and to come up with new concepts or to push things forward maybe that doesn't make always make them the best you know project managers so there's always a need that's actually why i started studying project management because i would constantly get these jobs or, or, or take on projects and and the the description of what was needed and the follow through after the designs were made was often so, so sloppy and messy that I started to realize that project management was kind of at the, the heart of everything. It was like, it really, it really ties everything together. It's not enough to just ask one person to do something. There's always so many processes and taking like, for instance, a product, you know, taking a product to market is, is complex. Yeah. A lot of people don't understand the amount of packaging design and then the packaging designs need to be sent to print and then the printing needs to be applied to labels and the labels applied to the packaging and then all of it put together in fulfillment. Yeah. And then that's that's just the first step. And then there's marketing and all these things you need to coincide and, and you're just basically asking all these people to just do their thing and then send it to the next person. So without project management, somebody overseeing it from a higher level and watching it go from place to place and trying to figure out usually how to make this process more efficient, it kind of almost always turns into this cluster mess of just terrible communication and somebody's always frustrated and everything takes longer. So I learned to really embrace the project management just kind of enjoy the process of like, okay, it's going to start here and then we need to get it to here. And there's going to be a bunch of stuff in between. And we're going to figure out how to make that flow. And if that cycle repeats consistently, then you can really have fun with it by making it more efficient, and making it easier for everybody that's involved. Like that's a good project manager. Somebody who gets excited about this. But most people are just, they don't care. They just want it sent over. 
And that's when you start to see it. It's like not that simple. You know, it really helps to have good project management. And I mean, thank God there's a bunch of software and, and things out there that do help us, but there still needs to be somebody that like puts that data in and looks at that data. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, it's an interesting, um, interesting role when you come into a project and there's not a lot of project management versus you coming into a project and, and somebody's really thought everything out and planned it. It's like, wow, what a difference. Like it really helps. Yeah. And, and that's a, that's a really hard choice too. Hey, like if you've got this great idea, like, cause it, it's a, it's a hard one to go with. Like if you've got this great idea, like a lot of the, the mentors and coaches that I've had, they're just like, just fucking go. Like, don't worry about building your course out or whatever, like sell it before you even have the, the content and stuff there. Like that's always been a hard one for me to wrap my head around. Like, cause like I've always been one that will build out the whole thing first and then try and sell it. But I've learned that I've, you know, waste a lot of fucking time if I don't do my market research first, if, if I don't ask my customers what they actually want. Cause like there was that one time I was telling you about with this members area, it took me like six months and I literally like used all of my knowledge in the health and fitness space and put it into this members area. Like it had gut health, brain health, like every single aspect with heap of drop down and every single lesson under the sun for each aspect. But the feedback I got for it was there's way too much content. Like I, I don't even know where to start. And I was only charging like a dollar a day for it. Like that's what I wanted to do for it. And then people were like, it's too much like to consume. And I was like, oh shit. But yeah. That's that's why nation down's good and and doing your market yeah, research. Yeah, it's fascinating that the yeah the market. I've, oh man, that that took me a while for sure. You know that the the market really tells you what it wants, and being being receptive to that and open is is kind of at the heart of like good good development of products and like good corporate structuring because you you're catering to your customer so it's always you know that's what intrigued me about branding too is that you really kind of like creating an image that people associate with um so it kind of all ties together and um it's 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 hard i think there's a lot of like newer theories on business um that have come about because of the popularity of, of using social media and the internet and it's just really quick immediate feedback response like i'm gonna customize this to you which just wasn't really possible before and i think we you know both you and i grew up in a in-between stage where we remember uh tv infomercials and like receiving stuff in the mail and then you know we also can twitter and text and tiktok and all that you know and it's like there's there's places for both and i think what's interesting about that model that you were saying of you know getting instant feedback and validating your market really quickly is that you can kind of combine it with that longer longer term proper build out of, of a product um because the initial market validation you know you, you can't do that forever like at some point you have to like find a good product and then keep making it otherwise you're constantly launching new products and mm. The bigger and bigger a company gets, the more you realize that you need to have a main offer. Yeah. And you need to sell something consistently. Like every business has a bread and butter. You know, no business is like, we're just going to keep launching a new product every single year. You know, they, they release new flavors. They'll release new colorways. 
Um, but all, all companies come back to like something that they sell consistently and then they niche down and, and that's the, the branding side of it kind of comes out then it's like really like defining like what you offer and who you offer it to becomes the name of the game. It's not like I can offer everything. Yeah. You know, people don't want everything as you saw. Sometimes they want something very specific. It's better to give them that thing. Like if McDonald's starts making, you know, like whatever smoothies and only smoke smoothies like people are going to want them for what they got used to yeah so it's interesting that businesses go through shifts and they have to evolve but at the same time customers want usually simplicity and convenience right yeah yeah <laughs> well i, you know, I, I guess in the end they want it easier and faster <laughs> yeah for sure man i guess what's like if you if you do look at the big brands that are like absolutely crushing it let's just take you know red bull for instance right so as you said like they made an energy drink they that's their main offer like that hasn't fucking changed like they yeah. they nailed it and then all they do is they change the color of the can yeah that's all they do now like they literally just change the yeah. color of the can or put like an influencer next to the can and then that's literally it or put the the their branded logo at an event or something and that that's all they do now it's like like absolutely crushing it so that's a that's a really good one to kind of keep in your mind no, i no, guess no, i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised if there's there's some really brilliant people at the top of, of red bull you know management um that have really said you know it's like we've we've got a great product here really what we need to do is just continue to keep it in the public spotlight and it's amazing that they've they've transitioned into this almost like a media company yeah yeah like as you and i know like after you've got a great product it's marketing yeah it's constant marketing over and over so now they're like oh, we'll just make our own entire marketing channels and just just continue to distribute and just put our product on everything it's a solid move like somebody in that company really knew what they were doing we're, we're not they're not they're not the monster you know they don't have a hundred flavors they really don't they've got like five or six skews and they keep pushing it and they're un unapologetically themselves you know? yeah. and, and they really to be honest you know they haven't made a lot of mistakes like as a brand you see a lot of energy companies come and go and they've just really consistently kept like a nice brand and just like kept sponsoring sports it was like a great model yeah never stopped yeah like really great consistency like hard to be consistent so yeah absolutely and and <laughs> i guess for a lot of us entrepreneurs as well consistency gets boring too <laughs> like if you if you like it's exciting at the start like oh hell yeah i've got this great product and then you launch it and then it's like okay cool now i'm on to the next product it's like no if you've got a great product get really fucking yeah. good at your marketing put a really good team in place for that marketing process delegate it and then go on to the next thing that was probably my biggest mistake that i've learned throughout my 20s i'm only just into my 30s now but is like i just kept jumping from yeah. next project to the next and at the end of the day like it's been fun but it's been a lot of work over and over again. It's like, oh, fuck, I'm starting from scratch again now. And then it's like, okay, cool. If I just focused on one of them for a little bit, I'd probably have a complete delegation over here and then I could focus on my next project. <laughs> I, I, was, I was literally thinking about that earlier today. Of, you know, like when you look back at some of the projects you started and they probably weren't bad ideas. You know, like all of them had 
validity, like every single project I, I've little, you know, started or just even made a website for, like at some point it was because like, oh, like I buy that or like I know people or for this industry I think is going to do well. Had you only just kept going with them, a lot of them, you know, probably needed to be tooled or rebranded or, or better marketing or, or a different, a little bit of a different angle on the idea. But uh, a lot of the time it would be like the consistency over time, you know, like had you, you start a, a little shitty company and it grows into something bigger and bigger, and bigger over 10 years. That's like when you see the real growth and like the, the but it's hard to see that at the beginning. You know, yeah. I think it's really people want, want results quickly and, and like everything we know about business, you know, as we get older is that it, it it's a process that takes time and that it's just very few things that are like mm. happen like that. You know, it really, it's a development over time. Sometimes people step away and come back or, or brands shift completely. Um, you know, like a lot of people don't know Abercrombie and shift pitch was like a really, it was an outdoors, a woodsman's like brand for clothing. And like over time they, they shifted and turned into what they are now. But for a long time, they just made great quality clothing, like for the outdoors. Mm. And then they turned into Abercrombie and Fitch. So for like probably like 20 years in the 50s, they were like just making really basic like military, like outdoors gear. And somebody in that company like turned it into what it is now. And it's, it's amazing. They still make clothes. They just totally marketed and pivoted and branded differently and turned into a huge company. So fascinating to see when when people just stick with it like yeah that sounds easy but it's not yeah <laughs> and, and i guess like for me like what sort of has clicked with me lately is you know because i've been in the coaching space for like health and performance for quite some time now and it always comes back to consistency like that is the fucking key to anything and you can you can apply that to everything right so the way that i'm looking at business now is like okay what do i teach my clients like step number one is always let's build a rock solid foundational health and that just comes down to literally being consistent so we know how to change things and it's like okay you're getting shit sleep all right cool let's let's get consistent at seven to eight hours sleep a night like that just one thing will make a huge difference second one all right hydration like these are super simple things but people get marketed to and then they think you know oh, seven day challenge eight day abs or, or whatever and it's just like it doesn't happen like that like you need to build a foundational health then we go okay all right what do we need to put in place for your daily practices what can we put on there that are weekly practices that we can, you know, change the way that the body adapts to your, your certain environment? And then from there, you go, okay, cool. I've got weekly, daily and weekly practices now that I know I'm going to progress with. What can we do from there to get even better results? We just start refining. You start putting in maybe one supplement or you add in a different type of workout or you go and do some soft tissue massage, whatever works for you. But the same thing applies to to business. What have you got? You need a good product. Okay, cool. Now we need a good um, good marketing. Sweet. Now we've got good marketing and we've got a good product. We just start refining that marketing and it and just scales from there Like and start building your team out. But yeah, I guess it's it's easy to get that FOMO with a heap of things to go, oh, there's the next cool thing. I'm going to jump into that now. Like, And, and I've been a, a person that I'll, I'll put my hand up. I've done that. <laughs> 
<laughs> me too. Me too. No, and it's interesting too because the more the more I study this, like um, you know, highly effective entrepreneur lifestyle, it's it's funny that they almost always start with diet and exercise, and like being consistent there is like a foundation of being a good leader or a be, or a good or a good you know developer of something. Like it's like the consistency comes comes from that balance at the beginning too which i find really interesting is like that wasn't something that i necessarily grew up with you know like a, you know a lot of the people that were role models didn't necessarily have like a healthy lifestyle they made money they were good at what they did but there wasn't this focus on like overall health mm. and now i'm really finding a lot more in the reading i'm doing and the people i'm following that they're like they are consistently improving all aspects and they they really like they really um point to that consistency as giving them consistency in these other areas yeah and it's interesting you know i could see all of these people's different routines and like what what motivates them but like that early morning that those deep sleep the regular exercise routine like consistently i'm finding this over and over again in like high performing people mm. And yeah, a hundred percent. And like when I'm, when I'm looking back to, you know, being a personal trainer at the Gold Coast there, like I did have quite a few clients that were business owners, CEOs, that type of thing. And they were absolutely fucking wrecked. Like they were overweight. They were stressed to the, to the buggery and felt like shit. So it's like, is that success? I don't know. Like maybe I would prefer to be earning, you know, only five figures, but fucking enjoy my life, go surfing, ha- hang out with my friends. Or would I prefer to be a fat CEO that is like feeling like shit, has all this money, but probably doesn't even have that many in friends because they're so time poor. And that was one of the biggest things that came up for a lot of the people that I was working with, with the business owners and the CEOs is they were time poor. But I always used to come back to them and be like, man, it's not really that you're time poor. It's actually that you're energy poor. And because you don't have good energy in your body, you can't show up your best in your business or in the relationships that you have in your life. And that all comes back down to putting that time aside to have good nutrition in, have good sleep, all those types of things. Like imagine how much more effective you're going to be if you've got a good, healthy, functioning body with your brain function that's on fire. Like you're going to be so much more effective. So you're going to have more time because you'll be more effective. Yeah, I found that about people that really, like I have a high amount of energy, but when I meet people that are just like on another level and they're just really like vibrating highly, they're really, really intensely like aware of everything. They're on point with everything. Like when I talk to them, they're like, yeah, I have a very, very high um, expectation for myself for for diet, exercise and, and sleep. You know, like they have like a really solid routine and that's more and more and more, I like to study people that, that people think are successful. And in reality, they have just like really terrible home life. And I'm always like looking at these people. I'm like, how did these people get famous or successful? And it's like, well, well people really romanticize the idea of success and like having achievement. But then some of these people were miserable or, or terribly unhealthy. And so it, it's really important to like, you know, like Steve Jobs, people idolize this guy all the time. 
<laughs> yeah. not a good person. Like, yeah. In the end, you know, you could really look at the story from two sides. The guy was really obsessed and really, really hard on people. Not exactly the nicest person, not super philanthropic, like definitely not healthy and ended up, you know, dying very early. You know, seems like he could have just had a healthier lifestyle or been a nicer person and and really focused on that quality of instead of making more phones and it's like you know like was it worth it like i and and i've read some stuff about him like kind of at the end really preaches like spending time with your family and like being healthy like that guy was the ultimate epitome of success in some people's opinion and it's like was he yeah (laughs) absolutely i've i've seen those that that, really need to look at the big picture yeah 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 i've seen those um the deathbed quotes from him as well like they're insane i'll have to put those in the show notes of this actually because it's a that it's yeah it's an unreal perspective to have a look at but like it's it's not always like physical like material things that make you successful at all like they're just like yeah they look cool like i've done that like when i was on the gold coast i became successful as a a pt and one of the better bodybuilding coaches in in the space and i bought the malu i was living on the beach in miami there on the gold coast like i had my car i had all the stuff but then i was like oh I've got all these clients. I was literally stressed to the balls. Like I was doing like 60 to 70 hours of PT and consults per week. And then I was on top of that writing everyone's training and nutrition plan. So like I was doing like well over 100 hours a week. Like on the outside, successful. Like I was jacked. I had a, a, a muscle car and I was living on the beach. But oh my God, like my at the time with the, the partner I had, relationship was falling apart and I felt like absolute shit. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, I, I always, I always wonder about that with people that, you know, when we go to extremes, something always is lacking, you know? And, and I think that's a really common, common mistake with entrepreneurs is to go to, to the extreme, you know, to go too far into something. Like I've been totally guilty of it. And, and that's not balance. Like you can't, can't really be extreme and then have balance like the the need you know i like i like to do things in sprints um which makes things a little easier to handle because like if you do have really high energy if you are somebody that likes to get extreme you want to embrace that in like some way so i've learned to kind of like take time when like i need to be really intense i need to work 100 hours a week or i need to you know be totally obsessed with a subject to like research it and totally understand it and then to pull back and even that is like balanced within the extreme you know like it's fine to go really hard but to go really really hard until you burn out and then lose energy and have this uphill battle is like kind of what i've i've learned to avoid is that you can go really extreme within your boundaries and when you know your boundaries you know you can do a couple back-to-back nights and then like recharge and and that that can be like a normal flow because nobody's perfect like the the expectation of people to be uber consistent is extreme and is of itself like having cheat days having Mm. having a little bit of flex within your schedule is absolutely necessary you know like complete balance and like obsession with with perfection is in of itself like another journey down the like an endless kind of 
path of like trying to be make yourself better is is, is it can be stressful <laughs> yeah hell yeah man <laughs> you know like you need need to love and accept yourself uh, you know at some point and always be appreciative of like the moment it's like yeah like this this is this, this is, is what you get so you got to enjoy it a little bit <laughs> yeah i love that man and and you touched on something there that you know i always come back to and i've, I've mentioned it in in earlier episodes as well is like without actually experiencing the extremes as well so like i always use the example of you know going to burning man and then going to a, a yoga retreat like they're both completely ends of the spec like different ends of the spectrum I've done both. I haven't been to Burning Man. I've been to EDC and Tomorrowland and all that sort of stuff. So I've been to those big festivals. I fucking love them. I've also done yoga retreats and 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 that and that type of thing as well. But without experiencing both ends of those extremes, I don't know how to make up my mind for the middle road. So that is a more balanced lifestyle. So same thing with entrepreneurship. I've done those 12, 16 hour days. And I've also done absolutely nothing when I was living in Bali and just went surfing. I love them both. But I can't keep them both up forever because if I just kept surfing, like I'm not going to have anything, you know, to show for in my life or make any impact. I'll be happy and and pretty chill. But then I'd also have in the back of my mind, oh, damn it, like I I could be doing this or that. Like, but then if on the other end, if I stick to being like an entrepreneur sticking out those 16 hour days all the time, I'm going to end up as that fat CEO and be pretty unhappy. So like balancing those two together without experiencing both ends, like it's kind of hard to realize what you really want in the middle there. Yeah, the that's that's when that I I'm not super spiritual, but but because of uh, a lot of my reading, I studied a lot of Buddhist stuff, a lot of stuff out of Thailand, and um, I I keep coming back to the yin yang yep. symbol, just the symbol. Like throw away everything else, whatever you think about all of these concepts, but like just the symbol of itself of this balance, like there there does need to be this balance within everything. There's no, it's not white and black. It's kind of a mixture of the two. And there's this, this circular effect to life. And, and that balance, I've always just loved that symbol because in a, in a, almost in a logo, it perfectly communicates so much in that, you know, there, there needs to be these extremes of like pleasure and sacrifice and, you know, growth and then relaxation. You know, especially with as athletes, you know, you can't just run forever and forever, forever. You can't just keep lifting. Like there becomes a point when you need to rest or else you can't perform again. So it's this like ebb and flow of life that I think as we get, you know, more and more experience, you start to settle into one that you really enjoy. Mm. And those are the people that you meet that like still have energy and they're excited. It's like, well, yeah, probably because they, you know, they'll do a massive networking event and talk to millions of people. And then they'll, they'll go and have total privacy and live in, you know, in, in, in nature. So there's like, you start to meet these people that are really well balanced. And you're like, I love talking to people that have already achieved success and like are totally chilling. And you're like, what did you do? Yeah. And they're like, oh, I know all this stuff. And then they're like, and it's really fun because you can see that they like, they're happy with their choices. Um, so that to me started to become like way more important than the money or the status. So I've started to really look for that. Like just being happy is kind of the main currency in my life. And then 
you know, being able to be of service, I think has become more important too. Like, I think just providing value to people within whatever it is you do, like that really to me has like kind of changed what I do. Like it doesn't really matter what industry and in. you can still make things easier, more convenient or, or better for other people. And, and you often get rewarded for that. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah, man. And I guess that all comes back to, you know, the beauty of this thing that we call our, our life experience and, and, and I absolutely love it because it's just a continual learning curve, this life experience. So yeah, it's absolutely amazing, mm. man. But, um, all right, well, let's get into a bit of, you know, what you're doing now because I'm pretty intrigued myself, like about this blockchain technology that you're working in and all that sort of stuff. Like give us a bit of a rundown on some of the projects that you're doing because I'm dabbling in this crypto space and um, what really opened my mind to crypto was a book called uh, Bitcoin Hard Cash You Can't Fuck With. I highly recommend anyone, even if you listen to it on Audible, it will just change your thought patterns around around money and, and how our government has set up the money system to not really benefit the, the individual so, so well. So yeah, man, let, let, I'll let you explain the crypto stuff a little bit more and, and touch on a bit of the um, projects that you've been, that you've been uh, jumping into there. Sure, sure. So I was introduced to blockchain and, and Bitcoin and crypto fairly late in like the game and comparatively than to most people. Um, obviously, like it started like 2011, 12 started to really grow. And um, so, you know, it's a 10 year old technology now. And when I really started to dig in deeply into it, it's because really, really smart financially minded people kept introducing me to the concept of a different way of banking. Um, and that actually started with Austrian economics. Somebody showed me private banking. Um, this was like five years ago. And that really turned me on to the fact of like another uh, financial institution holding your money and doing whatever they wanted with it really wasn't my style and that that, that was kind of at the heart of the problem with a lot of things in our government and our system is that you know that people that have access to the money aren't aren't us and they're and we're not really controlling it and there's a lot that goes on that we don't really know about um so blockchain and bitcoin was like a, a, pu a public ledger it was a, a system that we could control that wasn't bound by an organization and it, it, to me it represented you know freedom financially it's like well this is this is like the internet of banking you mm. know like when the internet came out we could suddenly access all this information that was previously stored in books or at universities or in government databases so having access to all this is, is kind of how i feel now it's like wow now we have all these new financial instruments and these new tools that we can use um, so the projects that I've come in, into have been people wanting to leverage that technology, like seeing blockchain as the future for either a business service, like how do we uh, enable transactions between users faster, um, or it was a, a tool for raising capital and to, to funding businesses and offering, offering services in exchange, like a pre-sale. Um, so a lot of people have started to come to me as I started to amass 
more information about it and research deeper and deeper into what it can be used for, people are starting to ask, well, can I use it for this? Mm. And it's, it's just like an amazing number of applications for it. So starting to, to match up blockchain developers and then people in, um, in entrepreneurial space, what I ended up doing was, was project management and branding again. Yeah. kind of like came full circle is that like, there's still going to be all these people that have this dream of what they want to get made in their mind. And then they have to go through this process of come, this is the same process. Like, even though it's blockchain, a lot of it, once you've created the product and the service, what do you have to do? Market it. (laughs) It like kind of came full circle to the fact that it's like, yes, this is a brand new technology. Yes, this is revolutionizing, but it's going to, the business model is going to follow the same core structure on the back end. It's like, you're still going to have a management team. We're still going to have developers. We're going to need some designers. And then we're going to need to market the product. Um, so I've really found an interesting niche of helping people be able to get that done. Um, so a couple of the projects that we're working on relate um, taking people's crypto that they already have, that they already own, and then leveraging that as far as how to sell that um, to other people, how to transfer it to other people. In every single case, it's all about making things easier, faster, and simpler. Um, so with blockchain, like a lot of what it does is like decreases the cost for the users, or it speeds up the transaction or reduces the number of people that it has to go through. So you can basically create your own network. You can do your own financing. You can do your own banking for your company and control a lot of the logistics by setting up a a system and then managing it all through this. So for me as a project manager, I'm like, awesome, a more automated system that's more transparent and less hackable. Like amazing. We can use this here, 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 and there. And so for me, it's just like another tool. Um, so I'm like, just like a kid in a candy store still like playing with like a new technology. It's like, even though, you know, there a lot of people started 10 years ago, it's still evolving. Yeah. So it's an interesting thing to be a part of. It's, it's the history is writing itself. Yeah, absolutely, man. And even, you know, like, cause some, some of my listeners may not even have any idea about crypto. I'll try my best to like explain why I got intrigued by it and, and why I've kind of put my money in it. And then maybe you can give us a bit more of a detailed answer. So correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah. the reason why I was just like complete eye open, I was like, oh wow. Like it's instant like transfer. It's peer to peer. So me to you, there's no middleman there. And then or I guess that depends maybe on the blockchain. I'm not too sure there, but I'll just use Bitcoin as the example because it's, you know, the pinnacle. Um, then there is no central control over it. So like if we think about it on, you know, the flu that's going around, all that sort of jazz and, you know, businesses are being shut down, all that sort of stuff. If, if our currency, like our fiat currency, ends up as a digital currency that is controlled by the government, then at the end of the day, they'll be able to just, you know, switch off our funds we won't be able to use our digital wallets and that's where you know the passports and that that's why i'm like completely against that is because you know that's taking away our freedom whereas bitcoin it's it's freedom because it's your network no one controls that so that was what like the biggest thing for me was like 
oh shit, I can own my own finances. And then I've also jumped on to Get Zion. I'm not sure if you know who they are yet, but it's a, basically a social media platform mm. on the Bitcoin um, uh, network, on the Lightning network. And what they've done is created social media on there that's uncensored because, you know, censorship is going through the roof on Facebook and Google. Things get pulled down, false information, all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. Whereas on the Bitcoin blockchain, you can post whatever the fuck you want but then, and no one can take that down. Like it is there and it's completely transparent where it came from and, and who it's been sent to and who, and, and you can choose if you want to see that or if you don't because you follow that network or you don't. So it's, I think that's a really cool concept. And um, that's what for me has just gone, I'm 100% sold on Bitcoin because we've got, we've actually got control for the first time ever. We've got control over our funds. We've got control over what we view as content and, you know, what we produce as content. Like, it's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, I think, I think anybody that, you know, was upset over the last 20 years about anything the 1% did or, like, doesn't feel like they're in that category and like they started to understand that a lot of a lot of the financial decisions that are made on the planet are not really in their best interest um so for me i think it was it really hit when i started learning about inflation yeah so when i started money printing the concept that the government was just printing money and that that's why the, the dollars were getting less in value it was like well i don't want to be a part of that system like i want I want out, you know, like I, I want an option and I've always been a gamer. I've always been on the internet. So for me, Bitcoin is like, sweet. The internet made money. Like I want, I want internet money rather than government money. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. I don't agree with a lot of the things they do. And the internet is by the people for the people. It's, it's, it's us. Yeah. It's not like a bunch of older white dudes or people that we've never, you know, they, they, it's not controlled by a single source. Like this is, this is like a bunch of people opening up a forum and then they're all agreeing on something and then they built it together and, and now they're going to use it. Like that to me is like, this is like, um, it's a byproduct of the internet. It's the internet mm-hmm. saying we all want to pay each other the same currency. Like I don't want to, you live in Australia and I live in the United States. So I have to send you USD and then it converts like, no, how about we just agree on one and it's the same currency. It's like, that makes sense. That sounds like something the internet would do. Yeah. Yeah. We're all going to use the same thing. Like, okay. Like, um, like that makes more sense to me. And, and for me, it's been a lot of radical freer thinkers, a lot of people that are really intelligent and like, in um, software development, in finance, in accounting, like these people are all really excited about it because they know that their industries had like massive problems and that they're, they're the higher and higher up you get, you start to understand that all these markets are flawed and they all have these issues revolving around finance yeah. and accounting. And like, that's really where the problem is in that like, by solving that and coming up with a better solution, which is like, we all agree that, that this money is equal to this and we can transfer it back and forth and no government or company owns that. That to me was really powerful. Mm. Okay. Well then the only, it's just going to keep going up if more people buying it, Yeah. you know, like, so if more people use this thing, just like 
like Instagram and Facebook, how they started. First, it was nothing, and then a bunch of people used it. Now it's really valuable. So imagine if the internet did that with a currency. Well, that's what's happening with Bitcoin. They've all decided that Bitcoin, out of all the cryptocurrencies, has the most value, and that this one is, is we're going to keep buying this one. So if you have faith that a bunch of people on the internet are going to keep doing something, like, then, then you can kind of have a lot of faith in, in Bitcoin because there's millions and millions of people and, and they're all beginning to shift towards this way. Um, mm. One analogy I, I've always tried to use is like, remember when we didn't have PayPal, what did you have to do? You would mail a check or you would Western Union yeah. or you would wire transfer. Those were the options. Like that was it. And this is like 15 years ago. Yeah. You know, so for Bitcoin is very much like now remove the company that set up PayPal and you're just left with people transferring money back and forth. Mm. So there's no party that like benefits from this directly. Like there's no company involved. It's just math. And like I send you money and you get money and that's it. Like that's the, the beauty of it. And um, you don't have to know a lot about software and finance and accounting to understand that like people want to send money to each other. And like PayPal was big and this is PayPal without the company. We own everything. Yeah. Like it's a currency developed by people on the internet for people on the internet. So if yeah. you like the internet, you should probably buy some Bitcoin. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent, man. And, um, yeah, that, that for me as well, like I'll just like, and I put in what I understand around it like even just since you know the start of 2020 I I can't remember exactly how much money it was for the US government that I think it was something ridiculous by like halfway through the year of 2020 America had printed like 28% or something like that of their circulating US dollar. So like we think about like the rise in in real estate and all that sort of stuff like why has that happened? It's because our governments print fucking money and it, it actually reduces, it makes our money worth less every time they do that, right? If they're giving us out, you know, $750 each, oh, cool, yeah, yippee, but we've actually just lost, you know, 1%, 2 3% on all of our savings by having our fiat currency in a bank account. Like, for me, that was the biggest one, whereas Bitcoin, there's 21 million, that's all they'll ever be. There's, what, 3 million Bitcoins that have been lost forever? Right. Nah. like that that's it so it will keep inflating it, it will happening. it will be volatile for a bit but once it gets to a point where it's mass adopted it will stabilize and then it will be you know an agreed of, it, it will be like the currency that we can just trade back and forth and it's not going to be volatile and it, it will be the reserve currency yeah i mean i have a lot of i'm, I'm very interested to see where it goes it, re- it really seems like Bitcoin is, is going to stay as kind of like a gold and then, you know, Ethereum as like a silver. It's like, you know, people don't trade in gold very often. It's more of like a reserve that you would keep in savings, whereas like coins are made out of silver and you use them a lot. Yeah. So it is a very clear need for, for, for something that is, uh, and I talked to this uh, to a lot of companies about like, what are we going to use for e-commerce? Um, you know, like it might not be Bitcoin in the end mm. you know maybe there's something faster and cheaper and 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 requires less energy you know there are a lot of people try to try to focus on the energy usage of bitcoin and it's like well, okay fair point you know great yes that that aspect of it can be improved 
And so I think that there's still a lot of room for like coins to come up. A lot of people talk about mobile coin um, is built for this. There's Ethereum, there's Litecoin. Yeah. Um, there's all these, these different options for, for different use cases. So it really seems like, yeah, Bitcoin will, will turn into gold. And like, you know, it, it's great to, to own gold. And then there's like uh, a need for a currency for exchange. Yeah. Um, so some of the projects that I'm working on are, are a little more focused on that. Like, how do we, um, how do we not just create a, a reserve of wealth, but also um, something for exchange? You know, like microtransactions. Like yeah. You pay people five dollars in Bitcoin anymore because of the fees for gas and all this stuff. Like, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. So there's still a lot of room for this industry to go and it, it's really interesting to, to see where it's going because there's still a lot of room like to, to write and and to improve on this system and and to use it so it will be really cool to to see what happens in the next 20 years i think we are kind of past the point of mass adoption like i, I do think that it's hitting a point now where it's a little bit of a domino effect where all these countries are beginning to, to adopt it as legal tender so yeah. it's almost like well, if if you don't then you're kind of behind yeah so i do think we'll see full mass adoption like it's pretty soon some people projecting to go up to five hundred thousand. um so right now it's under 40 right yeah um, so it looks like you know there's still potential for it to 10x in the next 20 years and then there's all these other subsidiary coins that as they launch that could be hundred x quickly in value. So yeah, there's still a lot of those that exist. Yeah, and in 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 many ways, it's just a way to um, pre-sale services. And in many ways, you can use an S an ICO. You can do an SDO. You know, there's ways to to use the blockchain just to raise money mm. as well. So it's like it's not it's not just like some people are like, oh, well, Bitcoin this, Bitcoin that, and it's well, it's not just like blockchain as the code mm. can be used for for so many different elements from accounting to logistics. Where it's like it doesn't even really matter what happens with any of these. It's, it's going to be continuing to use and built on just like before there was the internet. We didn't have a system. Now there's a system, and people are just going to keep building websites. Yeah. You know, conceivably until ever. So it's really interesting to be in this. And <clears throat> I guess for anybody that's not into it, it's like really, really just do do research and, and read about um, the financial system first. It's like, mm -hmm. you don't have to, you don't have to go deep into the technical side of it. If you just understand that the old system is inefficient and and not in your best interest and that this is a newer system that you can be a part of and is in your best interest yeah um so i i think two movies that helped me were the the big short mm -hmm. um which explained like the wall street um crash and then laundromat um i haven't seen laundromat is kind of satirical but a bit you will like it. Antonio Banderas, Gary Oldman are the main characters in it. Um, and they basically goes over the deeper, deeper side of the financial structure international. Um, so if you understand what's going on in these countries just a little bit, and then you see it's like, oh yeah, well, they're, they're definitely not going to do anything to benefit me. Maybe I should be involved in the system that would benefit me. Yeah. 
you start to go down a little bit of a rabbit hole and you're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, man, the rest is up to you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well that, that's a bit pretty good tip there, right? Just at least give yourself enough curiosity just to have a fucking look at a couple movies. <laughs> like at, at least that, like, and then, then you can make your decision. Yeah. Like, but yeah, man, I love it. I love it. Yeah. But, um, Amazing, man. It looks like look like the sun's going down there for you, and I'm pretty conscious of time, so I think we'll start to wrap this up here. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, bro, just, be- just sure. before we do wrap this up, so I always ask this question at the end of each of my podcasts. So just for a moment, have a bit of a think about out of all of your life experience, what is one piece of advice that you could give to the listeners whether that is to, you know, improve their health, their wealth, or their relationships. What's what's one piece of advice that you could give them? Mm. And we touched on this like a little bit, I think, over the over the podcast. And and this is like my main motto, but it's literally just stay focused. Like there's, there's one, one core philosophy in my life is that like just staying focused. And like, as you can see, as like a 20 year old, if you had learned to stay focused and like finish what you start and like try to, try to focus on, on the path and envision where you're going, um, is really, really been at the heart of a lot of my successes. And when I look back at the things that I failed at. It has been because I haven't focused enough on visualizing what it needs, what it takes to get to the end. So it's, it's in my mind, um, focus often comes from some form of meditation, whether or not it's a spiritual one or not, but just thinking, stopping, and not just constantly doing, but stop taking time to think about what's ahead and visualize what you need to do allows you to really focus because if you just get up every day and you just go 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 that's not focus you know that's like the rat race that we talked about earlier so in my mind focus often requires stopping Mm. you don't have to keep going and going and going so just like a lot of entrepreneurs have this mentality and, and people and athletes and everything just keep going but every so often just stop and focus on on what you're doing and what what you want to do and and move move forward mentally first. Um, so envisioning what you want and focusing on it and staying focused. Is, I'm sure if we can apply this, like the projects that were started, you know, we'll be able to finish them and then you can move on. Yeah, amazing. I love that, man. That's um, that's brought up a, a book for me that really impacted, was impactful for me over the last 12 months. It's called The One mm. Thing. I'm not sure if if you've read that one, but it's yeah, it's basically yeah, just oh, I'm write that one down. Yeah, it's it's a killer book, man. I think you'll really you'll really like it. But yeah, it's it's called literally just the one thing, and as the title says, you you basically exp- explain that there by staying focused, man. Um, but yeah, man, it's 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 a killer book, and and helped me from you know trying to do too many things at once, entrepreneurial mind, go go go, to focusing on my one thing finishing that, mm. moving on to the next, and then it's kind of like that. But, yeah, man, absolutely love it. But Sounds so simple, right, Ty? So simple. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. Back to simplicity. <laughs> um, so where, where can everyone kind of, yeah. you know, 
get in touch with you, like follow you? Like where can they, um, I'll, I'll leave all, all your links and stuff in, in the show notes and on the website, but um, yeah, you, you might as well spit it out as well. Yep, I'm on Instagram at, at Simon Hawk and then um, on simonhawk.co and then my consulting company is sagedesignconsult.com and yeah, anybody looking for project management, concept development and advisor services, um, especially relating to anything in crypto, e-commerce or real estate, we kind of stay focused on those and um, anything related to Puerto Rico, definitely happy to give some people some advice and encouragement. It's been very positive for me, and hopefully Ty gets to come over soon. If not, I'll come over to Australia. Yeah, just as soon as as soon as soon we're allowed to get off or into this island, I'll, I'll be on a plane. Private <laughs> 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 <Time> boat. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, sweet, brother. Thank you very much for your time, man. I appreciate it. Oh, man, it was a good chat. Definitely yeah. look forward to the next one. Yeah. Cheers, bro. Thanks for listening to the Break Plateau Show. If you like this episode, leave us a five-star review. Connect with us on Instagram at break.plateaus. And as always, head over to breakplateaus.com and get the show notes and more free resources.